Welcome to Two 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 Paranormal Podcast with your host Jen and Joe. Hello, everybody. How are you? We missed you. Yes, we missed you so much. Missed you since last week. My babies. Week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show last week. That was awesome. It was amazing, as usual. Um, and uh, Jen, I hear you have a sale going on. I do. You know, if you guys are looking for some really amazing uh, home goods, I have. Um, if you order or you put into a bundle three or more items, you get 15% off. So check hey, out my Poshmark closet for uh, clothing, shoes, accessories, High bags, stuff. and some really amazing home goods. I just sold a pair of mid-century um, Cherub Angel uh, placards oh, really? yesterday. Yeah, so, you know, all kinds of crazy that I got in the estate sale. They're probably haunted, but that's okay. There you go. Yeah, I'll put my, maybe I'll put my haunted doll up for sale on Poshmark. <laughs> but anyways, check it out, guys. Yeah, that's the thing is on um, my other show, The Year of Profit, which the podcast is coming out real soon. It's all about, like, saving money and stuff. And I'm telling you, people are like, oh, I don't want to buy secondhand clothing. But secondhand clothing there's high-end stuff, and you're proof of it. Yeah. If you go to Jen's closet, you'll see that she has high-end clothing. Yeah. New attacks. Yeah. And to get to it, just go to her website, go right below that play button, and hit the link to Jen's closet. Okay. But we have a very special guest on today's show. You guys, we are so amazed. We're so honored with us today. We have Morgan Knudsen. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, you have seen her on um, many of the paranormal television shows, mm -hmm. especially Haunted Hospitals. She has a new season coming out. But Morgan has been involved in the world of paranormal for over 20 years. Um, her story began with her great-great-grandfather, who was the president and founder of the Association of Psychological Research in Canada, and the first paranormal association developed in Canadian history. Down through generations now, she is taking the forefront of digging into the world of parapsychology. She holds lectures and classes and has uh, her own podcast, a fellow mm -hmm. podcaster, and a new book that's uh, out now. It's called Teaching the Living. Um, from heartbreak to happiness in a haunted home. So we're really, really excited yeah. that she has given us her time this week to come on the show. So welcome to the show, Morgan. This is awesome. Thank you guys yes. so much yes. for having me. Welcome. Yes. You know, we um, just first and foremost, congratulations on the new book. Thank you we're so much. We're very excited. I ordered it on Amazon today. So oh, just, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I was hoping to get it before the show. but I know. It's but so that's okay. The mail is really slow right now. Is it? Yeah. The odds of getting something early yeah. is pretty much zero at yeah. this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's understandable. Like it's just exciting that you know every time there's a new book out that's paranormal based, I have to have it, right? Like I yeah, it's can't like get enough. Yes, mm -hmm. and you know I was I was reading kind of the intro, and we don't want to give too much away because you know we want people to go out and buy the book. But you know it's it looks like you are coming at it from a totally different perspective. Now, do you have more of a scientific base, or do you come at it as more of a spiritual look or view on the paranormal? Well, it's both because mm -hmm. you really can't have one without the other anymore. And uh, you know it it began. I, th I think it begins for a lot of people either in one category or the other, mm -hmm. but it, part of the journey for, for me and I know so many others in, in parapsychology is the fact that the both of 
both science and spirituality are completely intertwined with each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one is sort of one moves ahead and then the other one catches up with it. And then the other moves ahead and then the other catches up with it. So, um, so with teaching the living, what I really wanted to do was not only show that no, both of these things coincide together, you don't have to be one side or the other, but um, also to give people an idea on how they, their interactions, their way of being in the world, their, how they, how they, project themselves into the world is part and parcel with what they end up getting back mm -hmm. and that we are not sitting as observers only in these situations, whether it be paranormal or whether it be in our life. And, you know, all of that has things to teach us that we can, we can move forward in, but, you know, so there's, there's the spiritual practice, which is, you know, something that is, is not a religion. It's, it's a, a, a personal journey for, for individuals mm -hmm. and, and the, the science that goes along with that. Where did your personal journey begin with this? Oh gosh, so I know you go way back, right? <laughs> I know, right? It goes way back. It, it does Take go way me back, back to you... your childhood. <laughs> well, well, yeah, kind of does, know, it's, though. It's, yeah, yeah, because it's it's funny because you know you you read about parapsychologists uh, throughout the years, whether it be you know J.B. Ryan or Maurice Gross or you know whoever pick a name and it, it, Lizette Coley, you know, all of these different people you know, have these journeys that do go back. And and for me, it's the same thing. Like the, it started when I was really young, when I was a kid and I was, became extremely fascinated with, with paranormal phenomenon that was going on around our house in the family home and whatnot. And, uh, you know, later on, I, I knew it was a calling. I knew it was something that I really, I really felt drawn to doing because it was asking so many big questions. And, when I, I pursued that, I started to to bring these people to me, so like my business partner Stephanie Wirtz, uh, who was my my best friend for seventeen years, and you know we we began to to formulate these these new programs at very very early on, called like one being teaching the living, and um, it wasn't until about years I don't know six or seven years later that I found out my great great grandfather was the president of the one of the first parapsychology or paranormal associations in Canada wow. and did so much work in regards to that, like just ridiculously inspiring stuff. And, you know, so that was really, really cool for me. It was, it was this, this legacy that was really entrenched in, in who I was before I even knew that mm -hmm. that was a, that was a part of it. Was um, that kept from you as a child or was that just somebody, nobody in the family ever mentioned that he had been a part of that? Well, nobody really knew. Like there was a there's a, a few people that really knew, and then there was the majority of the family. I I think just either didn't care or didn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the, the you know that side of the family is very disconnected. Like there's not a lot of conversation going back and forth. So mm -hmm. it didn't really show up until my my grandfather passed away, and then there was there was elements that that he had these little pieces of the puzzle that uh, sort of trickled down after he'd passed away. But other than that, you know, everybody just yeah, it just, I, I don't even know if the people involved realized this level of significance that that was there. You know, it was just sort of something that was, oh, you know, well, that's cool. And, you know, toss it to the side. And, you know, I, I just don't think they realized what it was. Yeah. Do you think that's a little bit of kismet like it's supposed to meant to be that that fell in your lineage and then this is your calling here to be right. in the world of parapsychology? Absolutely. I mean, there, there's, there, there are no accidents. I'm a firm mm -hmm. believer that in this, okay. in this universe, there absolutely are no accidents. And, you know, the, the things that we are, are gifted, no matter what you're doing in the world of parapsychology, you are, 
you are standing on the shoulders of giants, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no matter who it is, whether they're in your family or not. And, uh, you know, A.D. Watson was just one of those one of those giants in the field. I just happened to be, you know, thankfully related. But I really think that that at the end of the day, you know, there really is no coincidence. Mm -hmm. And when you, you factor all that in, you just have to take the you know what what you've been given and to use that as a as a platform in the same way they would have mm -hmm. did you have a lot of resistance when you were younger and and digging into that or was your family supportive of you know you wanting to learn no, more about the spiritual side or ghosts or ghost hunting or or parapsychology my mom and dad were very supportive they thought it was it was super cool um my my uh, grandparents thought I, it was insane um, because they always had terrible experiences when they were younger. Mm. So they, uh, they, they didn't understand their role in, in creating the, these experiences. So they, all their experiences were horrible and they thought it was like the, the worst thing ever. Uh, so no, I, I became kind of the black sheep uh, for the most part, but I was always kind of the black sheep mm -hmm. no matter where I went. So it didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just always been that person to, to do my own thing and pursue my own, my own, goals and and you know listen to that that instinct that's that's pulling mm -hmm. you forward so so it wasn't necessarily I, I would say resistance but <laughs> I don't know there was it's kind of a mixed bag I guess yeah. were you able to help them understand their experiences or or was was that just like they're not going to deal with it and they didn't want to talk about it you know, the, well, I never really had a, a very close relationship mm. with the majority of, of the extended family. So okay. it wasn't something necessarily that I was concerned about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they they were kind of closed off from me. So I it was I just kind of just moved on and kept going. Uh, you know, they've never asked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the one thing that I've I've learned, uh, you know, and my, my grandparents now, all they've all passed away. But the uh, the one thing I've learned throughout 20 years of doing this is that you you really can't push people to to shift into change. Mm -hmm. There there really is those four stages of readiness for change, which I talk about in the book. Mm -hmm. And the last one being you're just so sick to death of where you are that you're you're willing to do whatever it takes because mm -hmm. you can't do what you're doing one more day. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, you've got you gotta wait for for people like that to to come to you. So that's always been my approach. It's just, you know, when the the, the people are ready to listen, then you know I'm my programs are there for them. Do you feel that the uh, people are drawn to you in a way? I know that when we start talking about different things, it's almost like the people are being drawn to us so that we can help them. And I know with you, like a calling. Yeah. With your, with your studies in parapsychology, you can help so many people so many other ways. And it's almost like the universe puts people in your, in your path yeah. so that you can help them. Does that oh, happen yeah. to you? You know, that's, yeah, I mean the the universe. I don't even know if it's necessarily that they it puts them there, but mm -hmm. we we attract them to us. Yeah, you know, and vice versa. You know, they they attract the answers that they need, and and are, uh, you know, when when we're ready and that that sort of vibrational state is ready, then the manifestation happens, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think when people are or have hit that point and they're asking is strong enough, and then they're allowing is also in that is strong enough, then. You know, they they attract the people that they can hear. Yeah. And what I often find, and what's so interesting to me, is that usually, and I, this has happened to me as well. I'm not definitely not the you know, they're these people are not the <laughs> the, the the lone the you know the lone <laughs> rangers out there. But 
you know, the, the teachers change all the Mm -hmm. time where, you know, they'll start with one teacher and then another teacher will come and then they kind of get what they need out of that teacher. And then the next teacher shows up that gives you the next level of, of experience. And so, I mean, if, if I can be, you know, one of those people on that, on that journey, Mm -hmm. then that's, that's super cool, but I definitely don't expect it to be the, you know, the end all and the all there's, there's all of these, these, individuals that will will come into our experience that have different things to offer yeah and you know i mean we know that change happens in a second it but it's that process of getting to that second and when you were saying that it did make me think that maybe each one of them teachers is a different learning experience for the teacher also you know each one of the students or or patients or whatever you want to call them or clients that come to you i mean you're learning from them also so it's a give and take type deal thing oh of course it is and i mean the the, the learning never quits. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've fired people for telling me they're done learning. Like I, <laughs> no joke. I, yeah. you know, I've, I used to, I had an investigator at one point. He was like, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to look at any of that. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't need to learn this. Oh. I fired him at the table. And it, because it, you, you can't be in that state of mind. Yeah. So mm-hmm. everything, everything that's coming to you, not only is a, a, a learning experience about, whatever the situation is, but it is a reflection of who you are and what you're giving out. So it is a, it's an internal learning experience as well. You know, so every, everything that's around us is, is a mirror and and it's a reflection of, of what's going on within us. So if we've got all of these, these, you know, these different people coming, coming at us, then usually there is a, a, a deep aspect of ourselves that is reflected back in these people. So, I mean, every, every, everybody that we encounter is, is there on purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I feel like you're almost like the paranormal life coach, right? Like this is very uh, uh, life coach esque, Uh just helping people along their journey, whether it is, you know, in life, um, in the paranormal field, Mm -hmm. uh, do you take on clients? Do you do residential? Do you do um, individual or what exactly are you putting yourself out there for? Um, I used, I used to do a lot more clients than I I do now. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a, I did a lot of spontaneous, what they call spontaneous field work throughout the years uh, and whatnot. And now it's, it's shifted more towards uh, academics for me Mm -hmm. and, and live shows because uh, throughout the years of, of, hundreds and hundreds of investigations that I've done. The one thing that I noticed was uh, such a critical lack of information from uh, by, by the, the people that were, were coming to me with these, mm-hmm. these issues. And, and a lot of the cases were, were just extremely sad, you know, people that were caught up in, uh, you know, belief systems that they'd learned from the television or the media yeah. or whatever that mm-hmm. were, were just inaccurate in, in terms of what parapsychology is and, and what it's about. So um, like for a good 15 years, I was teaching in uh, the psychology and social work programs and uh, had my teaching living program within those. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was finding that you know, people were getting the most benefit from it because they began to realize, you know, what their role was. So for me, it, before the crazy pandemic stuff was going on, I was doing a lot of live shows, a lot of live workshops, a lot of that kind of thing. And now it's, it's really shifted into, into, you know, being an author, speaker, book writer, educator, whatever I can possibly do to, to bridge a gap for people in terms of what this information is. And I find that that ultimately is, has been the more, I guess the more, uh, 
rewarding role, even though I still get to do cases and I still get to go out and mm-hmm. do stuff. But mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, you know, I, I think I've, I've sort of fallen into a niche that needs to be, needs to be closed. Yeah. Did you, did you during the time of the pandemic, is that when the book um, came out or have you, you know, had that plan for a while or did you find well, the- that... Having that extra time uh, gave you some writing time. time. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I started like 10 books. I'm like, never got to finish them. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, it it was funny because the the original Teaching the Living, the first edition was out in, I think it was like 20, oh my gosh, 2015 or something like that. And it was was meant as kind of this one-off handbook Mm -hmm. that I'd put out there and, and whatnot. And it wasn't super long. It was just this sort of condensed thing that you could hand to somebody that was in, in, in trouble. And then Beyond the Free Publishing approached me in uh, last year in November and said, you know, we'd really love for you to do two books, one being a second edition of the original Teaching the Living. And I was thrilled because, uh, you know, it was something that I'd thought about doing. And uh, a, a good friend of mine, Chad Lewis, he, he has been he had bugged me for months telling me, you gotta write, please write a book, please write a book. I'm like, all right. And I was kind of, I was putting it off, putting it off. And then beyond the fray called and said, you know, do you want to do this? So when I, I sat down to do the second edition, it was just like papers and all of these things that I had, I had spent the last number of years writing mm-hmm. all got dumped into this, oh. this new edition. And there ended up to be like well over a hundred new pages in That's this great. book. And, uh, so I'm really happy that, that it, it came out. So it was sort of this, this progress right. <laughs> that happened, this like, you know, happenstance thing that, that went on, but it was, it was really great. That sounds like organic pro- progress though, you know, it, it totally, it totally did. So now I'm on this, I'm, I'm working on the manuscript of the second book right now. Great. And, uh, it's so that, and that'll be out later this year. Yeah. Where's your favorite place to write? Oh, you know, it's, Do you get it's up in the middle of the night with ideas like popping in your head? <laughs> I always have my phone near my bed for okay. that reason. Right? I always yeah. have it near my bed because I have I have my, my little notepad on my phone and I'm just like, oh my God, there's something. And I, if I don't write it down, I know by the morning mm-hmm. it's gone. Right. Right. So <laughs> I have to, I have, I've got to keep notes, but, but most of the time it's, it's uh, during the day, like I will get up and I kind of, I, I find the, the, the inspiration will hit on on something mm-hmm. and I'll sit down and plug away at it for about four or five hours and then I might not touch it again for a good few days yeah. um, and I just kind of let it sit let it marinate and the more I I'm in that allowing state what I find is that the you know the the universe that consciousness stuff starts showing up mm-hmm. in my experience it's like here's an article here's an article mm-hmm. here's an article read this paper read this you know talk to this yeah. person and all of a sudden it's like okay i know where this is going you know and then i can sit back down and write another 5 hours on the book but it's a uh, yeah, it's it's kind of this this effort and allowing balance that, <laughs> that happens. I know that process of writing it, but you yeah. have to you have to sit down when that fever hits you, right? Like mm-hmm. it pours oh, yeah. out and it doesn't stop, and it's it's and then you're like, okay, I gotta walk away. I gotta walk <laughs> away. Might be a week or two, or you know, just for a snack or something. Uh, but yeah, that's amazing. And uh, yeah, completely true. Yeah, for sure. Let's go back a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about, you said you had um, experiences when you were young. What were you experiencing? Well, we always lived in haunted 
places. There was only a, a handful of places mm-hmm. I think we lived in when I was a kid that weren't active. Um, but probably the coolest house was uh, in Surrey, BC. Uh, when I was when I was a kid, I was about ten and uh, ten or eleven, and uh, we we lived in this really really neat uh, house, and it was nothing special to look at. It was just this, mm-hmm. you know, sort of had a walkout basement and um, one main floor. It was you know it was just it was no big deal to look at, but phenomenal stuff was going on. We had uh, we had a, a plethora of of bizarre things, and, and the the basement area, even though it was a fin- very finished walkout basement, mm-hmm. it was really nice. Nobody wanted to be down there. Like nobody wanted to be down there. Huh. It was. It had this this vibe to it that you knew you were not welcome and you were being very closely watched. Mm-hmm. And the we had the office and the computer that was was down there as well, sort of in a den off to the one side. And I would, I'd be down there because I was writing, even at that age, I was writing constantly. Uh-huh. It was just what I did. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, you know, so often sitting down there and I'd be writing away and typing and I would know somebody was at the door. And, you know, I would, I, at first I would think it was my dad because he used to, he was a prankster and he'd play tricks all the time where he'd just stand there behind yeah. you until you noticed oh and my scared God. the crap out of you. Yeah. <laughs> so he'd, he'd do stuff like that all the time. So there was a number of times where I was like, oh my God, I know you're there. Like, what are you, you know, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Like, you're mm-hmm. not freaking me out. And you turn around, there was no one there, but you got the distinct impression that someone was still standing there staring at you from mm-hmm. the door. And even coming up the stairs, you felt like you just had to run up the stairs, mm. like you were being followed very quickly. And as soon as you got to the top, the feeling quit. But so there was a lot of that. There was a lot of uh, uh, poltergeist type sounds and noises that were going on where you'd hear uh, the slamming of the the patio door downstairs and you'd go down and it was still locked, like it had never wow. been moved. So a lot of residual energy type okay. stuff. Yeah, we had, we had, you know, stuff go missing the entity there it was there hated our dog oh, and no. it would yeah Boy, it's it a would, dog would, right oh like, my god he would, it would yeah it would chase our dog and it, there was a number of nights where we would had gone out for dinner and it was really hot it was a summer it was really hot and we'd come back and this thing had taken our thermostat and just cranked it as high as oh, it could and our dog goodness. was like passed out on the floor oh. just panting and so the a number of nights later when we went out again we i had duct taped down the thermostat and mm-hmm. i was like you're not doing this twice and when we came back it was the same situation all over again and the thermostat had been cranked up underneath the tape oh, tape yeah. hadn't been moved but wow. it was turned underneath the tape so it, stuff like that was was going on but it was it was, there was something going there all the time like mm-hmm. it was just constantly busy and uh, yeah so really fascinating though yeah because you think about it it physically can't touch yeah i I mean it's energy right like that's what we think of spirit as as of energy but you can uh correct me if you have a different theory (laughs) but how would you physically change that or or move that you know like that's what i don't understand about the paranormal is if they have the ability to move something but they're not a physical being Mm -hmm. But I think we have to remember, though, that that energy, you know, just because something is not physical doesn't mean it. it number one, it doesn't have mass. And yeah. number two, we've proven over and over again that, that we can move things without touching them. Mm. You know, there's there's plenty of experiments in regards to to PK and, you know, all sorts of things like that, where, you know, it's been replicated repeatedly mm-hmm. that we were able to do that. And there's a lot of things that move move items that don't have to be with touch mm-hmm. you know we we often associate oh if something has moved an object then they've picked it up and thrown it 
No, it doesn't have to be at all. You can move stuff with sound. Mm-hmm. You can move stuff yeah. with sound vibrations. You can move stuff with with uh, a, you know a, a magnetic vibrations and, and static. And you know, there's there's a million ways to move something. The one thing uh, I was actually we just finished shooting uh, one of the seasons of Haunted Hospitals here recently, and our, my producer had actually asked me a very similar question because he said, you know, well, how is this this entity or whatever it is knocking on a on a on a door with no hands? I'm like, well, why do you need hands to knock mm-hmm. on a door? Mm-hmm. If, if that was just a sound, how would you describe the sound? Well, it would sound like, you know, I don't know, two bricks banging together yeah. or, you know, whatever. But I was like, it, so you don't need to have a fist knocking on mm-hmm. a door to knock on a door, mm-hmm. right? So I think we associate these movements with things that are relatable to us, like that we would pick up and touch and, and whatever. But that's just not necessarily how these sounds are generated. Yeah. Have- and, you know, I've ran into a case where somebody said the exact same thing is they heard banging noises and then the girl's glasses broke. And I'm like, well, was the banging the result of the energy pulse or was it the result of the ghost moving something? And they're like, well, we don't know. I said, everything is energy. Everything vibrates. Yeah. And like you were saying, even sound can move stuff. So I feel that a lot of the poltergeist activity is energy pulses making those sounds mm. by either hitting something or that go ahead yeah it's a good theory no it was a, it's a good theory mm. and you know it, I, th- I think any of those ideas are, are are really up for grabs if it's not a plethora of a few of them yeah you know uh there's there's a number of things we we uh on my podcast, Supernatural Circumstances, my friend, uh, uh, Mike Brown, my co-host and I, we were talking with uh, uh, Dr. Lynn McNeil of the University of Utah. And we, we ended up on this conversation of uh, sleep paralysis mm-hmm. and some of the noises that people hear during sleep paralysis. And because both her and, and my co-host, Mike, uh, have experienced it. And uh, he, he was saying, you know, I always used to hear huffing or footsteps or you know this noise and then lynn was like oh i always used to hear and she named another noise and what was interesting was that it was the same noise but they were interpreting it in a different way one was saying it was huffing and the other was saying oh it was footsteps but Mm -hmm. you know when you take off that that context it's it it gets it gets quite interesting but it's it's not always what people assign it to be yeah has do you ever have or have you ever thought that the spirits in your house either help or hurt your writing? I mean, have you oh, ever had the experience of them actually sure. helping you? You know, I, I think they're, I think non-physical is always helping us when we're mm-hmm. doing creative endeavors. Uh, that's the one thing I've learned. I've been a, a fire performer now for a good number of years. Yeah. And, um, you know, really early on, uh, you know, you, in, in that practice, when you're, whether you're fire eating or fire breathing or manipulating fire or whatever you learn really really fast that you know this is a, a balance of both and mm-hmm. it's, this is a there's a state of allowing that you you really have to be in in order to make this go well because mm-hmm. if, if you're not and you're trying to force this stuff um it just jams it up and that's when accidents happen yeah. so with with writing and and the arts and you know anything you're you're doing you know with that it, it really is a process of, of surrender and just allowing that inspiration to come wherever you believe it comes from. But I've, I'm a firm believer that that, that non-physical energy is always accessible to us. Mm-hmm. And when we al- sort of allow that to, to flow through us, it, it our work becomes in, just innumerably better. Mm-hmm. Do you have activity in your home? 
Uh, yeah, I've had I've had a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of psychokinetic stuff, which okay. has been always really fun, mm-hmm. which I really really enjoy. But my my little Python Galen uh, sees somebody drop in every once in a okay. while, and it's it's kind of fun. And uh, I never I don't really see whoever it is, but mm-hmm. he recognizes them because he sees them and greets them, like he knows oh, them. So it's yeah, so it's somebody that he knows, um, and they drop in about every six months or so that I notice anyway, mm-hmm. or he notices. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's been some, some really fun, fun things. And, and it's neat to experience it through his eyes because he can see such a wide spectrum, like mm-hmm. far beyond what we can see. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, he always gets so excited about it. So <laughs> I, I get to live vicariously through whatever game <laughs> nice. So how, how does he act though? Cause I'm not a snake person. I don't understand, but how does he act? What does um, he do? He, get, he gets quite excited. Like he, uh, you know, he'll look at me and then he, he has a little greeting that he does with people that he knows. So if okay. somebody comes over that he likes, he, he greets them in a really specific way and he'll, he'll see somebody and he'll sit up and, and he'll start to, as, as, you know, snake people call it, they, they do a scope, okay. they sit up and they're just, they're just really excited and happy and he'll, he'll greet whoever it is and he'll spend time with them. There's a, there's a definite interaction that's going on between whoever this is and him. And he seems always very happy about it. So he's, yeah, excited. He'll, you know, follow them around a little bit. And then when they, they leave, he looks around like whatever he was interacting with has disappeared and he kind of looks over his shoulder and looks kind of looks around and and it's like oh they're they're gone oh, okay and then he carries on with his day it's yeah. like okay they're gone that's it you know and then he goes and does something else but it's it's really really neat to see that's so interesting i i think some whatever's in my house because i have multiple spirits in my house scares my parakeet all the time because he'll be sitting there <laughs> on his perch just watching the olympics or whatever and all of a sudden he will just like squawk and fall off his perch and i'm like stop oh, scaring liberace stop it i have to talk to yeah. the spirits i'm like stop yeah it. you got it you got to tell them like i know with galen like it's so funny because uh when he was very young the first thing he ever saw was it was it was an actually a really neat encounter he was about oh my god he was barely two he's he's 17 and a half now oh he's, he was barely two and we were we were standing in the the dining room and this very bright light came drifting down from the ceiling and it was about i don't know it was about the size of a maybe a bit smaller than a baseball and it drifted down from the ceiling and he saw it and he looked at it and wow. there was like he had no context to be you know fearful or anything like that and i just said to him i'm like galen look at that like that's so neat isn't that the coolest thing and so immediately it was like oh, okay everything must be okay and he, you know, he, he looked at it and stretched up for it, whatever. And then it hit about my, my shoulder level and it disappeared. Mm-hmm. And that was really his first encounter with something that he had, it was new to him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think when, when he was young, I introduced him to that in, in a really positive way. And he's just learned that it's, that's okay. You yeah. know, yeah. that if something's unusual, that's okay. I just got to be curious. What color was that? That it was white. Oh, white. This one okay. was white. That's interesting. This one was white. Yeah, it was. It was, and it was. It was quite dense. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. a wasn't a guess. Like you could you could really mm-hmm. see. It. it was really neat. That's interesting. Um, have you ever set up cameras in your house to capture any of that type of activity? You know, I I used to back in the day. Uh, Steph and I we <laughs> we literally spent a lifetime doing that. I swear mm-hmm. to God, we were setting up all sorts of <laughs> yeah. stuff. We had everything under the sun. 
and we, we'd go to these places and we'd set everything up. But, but one thing that I found was that, you know, some of this stuff really needs to be experienced without all of that. Mm -hmm. And I think somewhere along the way, the, the mentality switched to from, from taking in, you know, all these little bits and pieces of information and looking at the, Hey, isn't that cool to switch to, to understanding causation. Mm -hmm. And that's when things really, really shifted over for me into the the side of, of the bigger questions like, mm -hmm. you know, consciousness, survivalist theory and, and things like that. Because I think at some point, even though that stuff is really, really cool to document, there's a point at which that becomes a very finite thing mm -hmm. and, and you have to begin to ask the bigger questions. So for, for me, it was, you know, I spent a lot of years doing that and now it's like, okay, I just observed something that was really, really cool. But my interest is, has progressed into, you know, let's, let's take a look at what they're doing at, at you know, Princeton University and, and places like that mm -hmm. that, are, that have the, the, the technology and the understanding to, to really get to the bottom of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a scientific approach instead of just an entertainment approach. Yeah. Well, it, it, you ha I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the, the bigger questions, I think, that are going to further our understanding mm -hmm. of all of this, you know, and it's, it is fun to, to, to see this stuff happen. And I love it. I love being in a universe where this stuff is just going on all the time. Mm -hmm. I think it's just magical. And, but, you know, there is, there, there's the, the causation question and it is, is so big and it's so important to, to humanity in general. Mm -hmm. And in that to me now is where the real fascination and the magic yeah. really lies is there any um you know place that you like would just absolutely love to go and, and study to have oh my gosh like a dream place like where where would you want to go you know it's it's funny i it would be a i think a twofold question because there's definitely a few haunted places that i would love to mm -hmm. i would love to go like um lep castle in ireland i yeah. think is, is incredible yeah. um i would love to be able to turn around and 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 uh take a visit to Lep Castle at some point in my life um but in terms of where I I think I'd like to go and actually study um you know it would be places like the Institute of Noetic Sciences um and uh, the Monroe Institute places mm -hmm. like that where uh you know they have really are they're they're reaching these pinnacles of understanding the mind and consciousness. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I, I think if I was going to, if I was going to pick locations, it, they would be a little bit different than, mm -hmm. than just, you know, Oh, this is a really cool haunted place, even though they're amazing. Right. Um, I would, I would definitely, I think pick one of those is my, my first choice. In writing the book, have you, or rewriting the book, have you come across anything that really surprised you the like, Oh, I didn't think, you know, I wasn't, focusing on this or um you know this is kind of new information like what's new and new and exciting and surprising to you these days oh my oh my gosh like, I know, the way... a question but... oh wow yeah well there's there's always so much like that's the joy of parapsychology is yeah. that it's like these new discoveries keep coming up and so I think for me what was what was really neat was to see the progression of of quantum theory into the the world of para, of parapsychology mm -hmm. um and it's always been there like it's always been sort of the underlying current uh in in that genre but i think really getting a chance to delve into parapsychologists and researchers like dr william roll uh dr scott rogo uh, people like that who you know have really taken a hard look at things like frequencies and 
uh, you know, quantum theory and how this stuff is working and functioning and just how far they got. And, you know, William Roll, he passed away in 2013, but, you know, in recently in the um, uh, advancements in parapsychological uh, research, 10th edition um, in the textbook, uh, my dear friend of mine, Dr. Nancy Zingroni, she, she put together along with a few other colleagues, a uh, fantastic, I guess, basically synopsis and, and edited his papers down as to, you know, how things like, residual energy are happening, how mm -hmm. things like uh, these, you know, mediumship is happening, all of these interesting theories, and just how far it's come. So I, I think for me, that's, that's the big thing is it never ceases to amaze me, the power of our minds and mm -hmm. consciousness and how we influence the what we think is reality around us. That sure. is always like the best part for me. Yeah, I think the quantum theory has really opened up a lot more avenues to to search down because Massively. Yeah, yeah it's just and that's where my thoughts too are is i always love to ask the question what are ghosts because there's so many answers out there and there's really right now there's no definitive answer sure. and with quantum theory it just opens so many doors to look at different options of what it is and you know people have to be open to that too because mm -hmm. all they you know i and you you do the television shows um like haunted hospitals and people want to be entertained, but I think I people are getting to the point where they're, they're, okay, it's entertaining, but what's behind it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, just more wanting to seek um, the answer versus being entertained. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a shift that's happening, and it's mm -hmm. it's very palpable. And every time I I get I've I've been asked to do I I can't even count the yeah. amount of TV shows. And most of them I have to turn down because, I, and I tell them straight out, I said, I'm not going to give you the answer you want. I'm not mm -hmm. going to tell you there's a demon haunted box. Yeah. That's like right. whatever. I'm not going right. to tell you that because that's not real. And so every time I pick a show, I, I'm very, very careful that I, I'm in an arena where I can perhaps bridge that gap for mm -hmm. people a little bit so that I'm, I'm I, I hope to become a, a voice of, of for the people who are interested in that side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, the great thing about about you know the producers of haunted hospitals is that they they understand that, mm -hmm. and they they kind of allow me to do that and allow me to go down the rabbit hole a little bit with them, and uh, which is which is really cool. But there is there's a shift that's happening where where people are beginning to understand that that that's entertainment. That's not yeah. It's yeah. not parapsychology. That's not mm -hmm. real. You yeah. know. Yeah, and it's it is entertainment. Like we say, reality TV is never reality, no. right? It's all scripted. It is the furthest <laughs> thing from reality. There's no I such know. thing as reality television. Yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong; it pays the bills, right? But you know, you have to uh, at some point just let it be in in the box that it it is in, and um, stay there. And you know, if you're truly interested in the paranormal, you have to open yourself up to. Mm -hmm the research the whys the yeah. um where's this all coming from mm -hmm. right and the world's greatest mystery what happens when we pass away yeah. like nobody yeah. you know everybody has an opinion on that i got distracted no i but i i agree with you and you know i think uh, you know that's uh, i'm i'm usually every time I do a show, I usually pick the ones where people are allowed to tell their experiences mm -hmm. because I find that those are the shows that make this stuff a, a dinner table conversation mm -hmm. instead of being taboo. And that, that's yeah. the one thing that I, I, 
I so appreciate about haunted hospitals is because they've they've given a, an area a, pl- a platform that has not been there before, which mm-hmm. is for the medical professionals mm-hmm. and the first responders, yep. yeah. and that has not been available before. Then when you when you talk to these these people, they are they are really at risk of a lot of things. I mean, they worry about losing their jobs, looking crazy. You know, these are people of, of, you know, scientific repute that are, you know, concerned about reputation. They don't want to be labeled as mentally ill. Like, you know, there's a whole, a whole factor there. So um, I think for me with like, with that, at least those shows in particular is, you know, I I really feel like it's, it's sort of an honor to, to be able to take these cases and, and look at them. And I try to give the best opinion that I, you know, possibly can mm-hmm. to, to honor their story that's, yeah. you know, they're telling because it's important to them. And they're, they, they are so emotional when they're telling it, yeah. you know, they are still touched by it. These are things that just change their lives. And, and so when I'm, I'm choosing these, these shows, that's, that's usually what I, what I aim for. I've had a number of shows approach me with the whole sort of ghost hunting type, yeah. you know, running around in the dark and I just have no time for it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And hospitals, in our opinion, hospitals to me are some of the most haunted locations because you have every emotion you can imagine going on there. Yeah. Life to birth. Yeah. Or That's life to it. death, you know, yeah. and everything in between. And I mean we had well, experiences. It always, it always that, makes me laugh when people say, Oh, haunted, you know, these you know, I'm going to an abandoned building to find out if it's haunted. Yeah. How are you gonna know? Like what are yeah. you doing? <laughs> no, there's no reports there. What are you talking about? This is it's crazy. Like we, people, you don't have to go to a haunted place. I mean, you could just stand in wherever. Mm-hmm. Spirits are everywhere, right? Like you're just everywhere. Um, go ahead, but it John, opens sorry. up the question of you know, like our experiences at um, St. Joseph's Hospital in Leary, Ohio. We, uh, I mean, Jen saw an apparition of a doctor. Yeah, we felt energy go past us in the emergency room. You know, it's like. That's when you're saying, why, what, yeah. how, you know, yeah, it's just, exactly. it opens the mind to so many questions and to actually see an apparition of a doctor, just mind blowing. That's yeah. one of the reasons I love hospitals. Yeah, I know. It's one of the greatest places. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fascinating. And, and you're totally right. The, the, it's the emotional factor, you know, mm-hmm. and emotions govern this stuff in a way that people don't quite understand and or the, to a level that people don't understand and um you know the, the the places that are usually the most active are the places that are usually the most active with people mm-hmm. you know and without that then there there really isn't anything going on and it's it's a sort of the same thing when, when people you know when they're they're just starting out well i'm gonna go to a cemetery <laughs> <Good luck>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, <laughs> you'll be sitting there for a while like i don't know what you what you think's gonna happen but yeah so. we've talked to a lot of hospice nurses and it's incredible, like the stories that they, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want their names to be mentioned or the locations, which is great. You know, we we would never do that. But what their experiences, they can't explain the families coming forward or somebody coming forward, almost like to collect the person that's passing on. I always thought that was, you know, really fascinating. Like, how do you explain that? You know, like people out of consciousness, all of a sudden become very lucid and they're clear and they're like, okay, Uncle Joe, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. You know, like so many questions um, in that aspect of it and the, and the hospice side. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, oh yeah and there's just so plenty of questions. stories out there like yeah. it's, it's, you know there's there's tons of them and uh you know that that clarity right before death is something that's been highly studied mm-hmm. over the years as well um in, in parapsychology which is interesting but um you know these the, both near death things like near-death experiences and and whatnot of and these these moments you know right before death you know people always say oh you know so-and-so died alone no they didn't yeah. no they they absolutely did not yeah. and you know this the, the non-physical is so aware of of us as as beings and it is so so incredibly conscious that you know we we often we put so much weight on the, the physicality of of you know our, our beingness and and whatever and we forget that there's so much there's so much there and there's been so many cases just overwhelming amount of of cases and evidence of of things like near-death experiences over the years that has just been absolutely phenomenal and to me absolutely outweighs any chance of that just you know being a blip in our brain yeah do you fear death death no no not anymore not yeah. at all mm-hmm. um and i can say that with with complete confidence because mm-hmm. i i've I've, I've been in this long enough that death is a transition. It's a, it's a process. It's transition. It's not at all the end of anything. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, yeah, I've had too many experiences, you know, there's been so much research behind it. And, uh, you know, I I think people are slowly becoming to that conclusion in the science scientific community Mm -hmm. as well. Do you believe in reincarnation? Yeah, there's a amazing doctor out there for the audience. If they're if you if you guys want to get into this, it's uh, by the name of Dr. Ian Stevenson. He's mm-hmm. considered like the sort of the reincarnation yeah. life mm-hmm. after the guru. death, guy, <laughs> right? He's the guru. But yeah, you know, there. I think I think reincarnation and these 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 different experiences hold possibly some of the best evidence for sort of the survival hypothesis mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, they're especially in children. Yeah, I was just thinking um, that. Yeah. Yeah, because there there is just they they don't have a dog in the fight, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. they just don't have a dog in a fight, and they are coming forward with information that at this point, in my opinion, is completely unexplained. And um, so I th- I think when you really get into things like like reincarnation and uh, near death experiences and, and things like that, then that's really where the the evidence of survival is. Mm-hmm. Go, is and is going to be found i, I don't think it's going to be found in a haunted house i, I really no, don't right. no not at all yeah because we've heard so many so many cases especially of kids yeah. and i think the kids are more open to it because i don't know is it closer to closer to birth closer to that or their minds just haven't been cluttered enough you know mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say yeah and well and they're even even their their brains are very similar mm-hmm. um going in and coming out is kind of, right. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, true. it's very, very similar. And, um, you know, just, just biologically. And, and I think, I think there's a lot to be said about, about that and about that state of allowing that kids are in and as well as often the, the terminally ill, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's the two states of our life where we actually let go and are in that state of non-resistance. And statistically, when you look at apparitions and paranormal experiences that people have had, then the people who are are having these these moments are always having them in a moment of allowing. 
Um, mm-hmm. They're usually doing something mundane, like watching TV, doing the dishes, vacuuming, you know, things like that. And then they have these apparition experiences or things show up. And, uh, you know, so you have these kids who are, you know, again, not bogged down with, you know, day-to-day crazy and, mm-hmm. you know, beliefs that this stuff doesn't happen and whatever. And you've got the terminally ill who are also in that state of just allowing and letting go. And then the stuff starts to show up. And I don't think that's coincidence. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got statistically these people that are having these apparitional experiences when they're healthy and well, and, and, you know, they're in that state of allowing. And then, you know, that state of allowing shows up at, you know, birth and death too. So makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We usually have our experiences during our podcast, so I'm surprised nothing's <laughs> happened now. There's usually something like floating by or knocking or banging, which is always, always fun for the I guests. They're like, what was that? And we're like, nothing, nothing. It was just a ghost. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. I should ask that question to you because you're a fellow podcaster. Yes, have you had yes. anything experiences during a podcast? We had, well, this was actually funny. So uh, Mike Brown and I, we record in different cities. He's in mm-hmm. Vancouver and I'm mm-hmm. in Ed- Edmonton. And, um, uh, and then I, I was recording for a while in uh, a friend's uh, studio at Catalyst Productions. And what was interesting was the first episode that we did, which was on the Philip experiment, I was recording and we were about to do the, the, the section where Mike and I were on together. Mm-hmm. And my, my mic, which was like a, SM7B mic, like it was very, very good quality, super expensive. The the fellow who, a uh, good dear friend of mine who runs the studio, he's an audio engineer. I mean, this guy knows more about audio than probably the majority of Canada. And <laughs> he, uh, and, and we started having these weird audio issues where things were coming in really, really quiet. And he was like, oh, the, the audios, it must be feeding to something else. And so I've got to, I got to figure this out. So he starts like shutting things down mm-hmm. and whatnot. And we were still having this problem. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? So I was, he's like, I don't, I don't know what's going on either, which for him to say that is uh, something's weird yeah and um so i'm like i'm just gonna call my on my phone on uh through through facebook messenger and and talk to him there for a second so i go to call him and the call is like cutting out like i can't like he can't get two words in edgewise would not work i'm like okay this is bizarre because like we call each other all the time on messenger so it's not like an unusual thing Mm -hmm. we're like this is really really weird so i go back into the studio and Corey's sitting there looking he's he's like completely dumbfounded he's just got this look on his face and he's like you have to see this so i we go over to the the mixer and where i'm he muted all the levels every single track all the levels and he's like start talking so i start talking and the levels are still registering Mm -hmm. and he's like there is no way he's like there is nothing recording he's like something (laughs) is recording in the room that is like not hooked in to the mixer and we are getting levels from some something somewhere yeah. and it shouldn't have happened. We never did figure it out. And wow. ever since then it's been fine. Yeah. There's, there's been no issues and whatever, but it was like, yeah, it was, it was a, a bit of a, a wake up <laughs> call. Like the, no, there's something else listening. Like it was really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah we love getting EVPs while we're doing it. Yeah. We've had it's so bizarre. Had a That's woman. awesome. Yeah, we haven't had any of those yet, but yeah. give it time. It's early. Give it it's time. Early, so. It'll <laughs> it'll happen for sure. Yeah, Jen was gonna say we we recorded a show about the Greenbrier ghost, and in my track, all of a sudden we hear a woman woman screaming. 
just out of nowhere, we're like, Ooh. but on my track, <laughs> and we're sitting right next to each other. It wasn't on my track. It, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we just things that you can't explain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, love it. But before we let you go, yes, I want to ask you one last question. When the reader is reading your book, and they come down to that last page, that last word, and they shut the book, what's the first thought that you want them to have, or wish they would have? I create my reality. I create my reality mm. and nothing that I'm experiencing is separate from what I, from who I am, what I am and what I project. I, I want them to have a, a sense of empowerment that possibly nobody has passed them before. Mm-hmm. Um, and to know that there is so much magic in the world and all we have to do is start to take a step in that direction and it will begin to show up. But ultimately you create your reality on, in ways that you, you can't even begin to fathom. Awesome. Amazing. And one last question I forgot. If anybody wants to get a hold of you or check out your stuff, where do they go to find that? <laughs> they can go to entityseeker.ca, which is my main website. And it's got everything, including um, all my links uh, to the, the book. They can grab the book there, um, as well as all my, my podcast, Supernatural Circumstances, which can be downloaded literally on any podcast platform imaginable. And supernaturalcircumstances.com is the official site for that. But you can reach that through entityseeker.ca too, so it doesn't matter. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, uh, you can find there as well, um, you know, you know, get a hold of me if you want to, uh, you know, book me for a lecture or anything like that, as well as a list of spiritual healthcare classes that I did during the pandemic. We did a, a series, I did a series of live streams with, uh, with a live audience um, online throughout mm-hmm. the pandemic that was all tools for people to use mm-hmm. uh, in their daily life that parapsychology teaches us. So spiritual healthcare is all there as well. So lots of things for people to check out. Awesome. And thank you so much yes, for coming we on. Appreciate you so much. You're so knowledgeable. We wish you all the best with your book. We can't wait to see the new season of haunted hospitals too. Well. Oh, it'll be fun. It's, yeah. it's fun and really interesting cases this year. So Great. it'll be pretty cool. Right. Awesome. Well, and like we always say, thank you everybody for tuning in this week. We will leave you with Dead in Five with Shadow of a Thin Man. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.